her limbic system, the librarian looks around her library, sees the old symbol that you had before, and says, look, here it is. I know what this means. This means unmitigated terror and horror. And she does not kick it up to the paralimbic system, which means that every time you experience a sensation that you've never that you've experienced before, you are living in your emotional past. And this is like the central um, way that human cognition works. For whatever reason, we're wired this way. This is what it is. And so the goal of the wedge is essentially to add new neural symbols to that library because the librarian um, doesn't lose the symbols. Those books are there always. Um, however, you can create new symbols when you know how this process works to bond new sensations or, or even old sensations with new emotions. And you can start to override and make those books on the librarian's shelves much more rich. So to take it back to Huberman's lab, <clears throat> if we're, if, if, if you were, say, terrified of sharks, and um, to continue the, the uh, librarian metaphor, Huberman's your librarian, he pulls out the book of sharks, puts, you put on the, the VR mask, and it's unmitigated horror. What's the what's the wedge now in this process of expo? If if by exposing you to that, and I'm I'm assuming it's sort of repeated bouts of of um, ex being exposed to it. What is the wedge in that um, process? Well, it's multiple things at once because we're not just experiencing um, a shark when we're when we're experiencing a shark, right? We are experiencing the full array of information that's coming from your sensory system. So you might see a shark, but you're also feeling water. You're also, um, ha there's temperature on your skin. There's, there's a number of sensations you have, even if they're sub-perceptual um, happening all at once. And seeing a great white shark is actually a very complex symbol because there's, I mean, there's thousands of things going on at once. But essentially, when you're swimming with virtual sharks, um, you're already in a safe spot, right? You walked into the virtual reality simulator. You saw the scientist on the other side. They told you you're, you're going to be safe and you just have to press this button and you're going to be able to get out of this situation. And they've prepped you in every way possible to get, make this not a fearful situation for you. Then you sit in, in, this, in this laboratory, you're exposed to the sharks. And if you are a sharkophobe, which I wish I knew the word for that, but I mean, there probably is one. But if you're a sharkophobe, you've already wired the visual sensation of a shark to all sorts of unmitigated horror, but you're trying to control the, the sensations around that so that you're trying to bond them to those other safe signals that you've had before uh, so that you can now overcome this, this situation. That would be the idea here. And this is also a very um, standard psychological technique um, called in cognitive behavioral therapy. There's exposure therapy. You know, how do you get somebody to uh, not be afraid of heights? Well, you know, you, you you don't take them to the edge of the Grand Canyon and say, look down and you'll, you know, you just get used to it, right? You start by like having them walk up some stairs and maybe stand on a chair. And, and you know, it's very slow exposure where the, where the stimulus of the height is gradually introduced until you're able to overcome it. Mm. What I want to get to next is breath work. And again, this connects back to Wim Hof, but you also explore all kinds of um, techniques that are out there and being developed now. And it can get a little bit um, sprawling and overwhelming when you think about all these different methods. So there's the Wim Hof, there's the DMT breathing, there's some of the stuff you learned with Brian McKenzie, but 
maybe we should start by you know talking about what they all have in common this idea of co2 tolerance what is that and why is addressing it so so helpful well, I think actually the let's go back to what they all have in common um, first, uh, which is, you know, breath is the very first thing that the Buddha taught um, for. Me- actually, it's the second thing the Buddha taught for meditation, right, where you uh, it is this bodily process, which is so perfectly balanced between automatic and conscious that that right now or for this whole conversation that you've been listening to me yammer on, um, you've been just breathing and you've probably not been thinking about your breathing. But now you're thinking about your breathing and you can take a breath like it's it's this magical sort of place where you there's this perfect parity between automatic and uh, and consciousness. And this is why. I mean, like just about every meditation technique that has has existed for at least